Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas. And the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 716 Hawaii. I am joined by my man. It's Adrian Hernandez. It's Grand Mona. A little bit of a different crew. A little bit of a different voice for me. Losing my voice out here in Las Vegas as one normally does. Having a good time. My man, Adrian, you know what I'm talking about. No, I, I do. I was like, look, it was my 30th birthday weekend. But you over here having all the fun, but no, it's been um, it's been an exciting, exciting weekend. The basketball world has descended upon Las Vegas. Um, it's been a hell of a time. It has been heaven for basketball fans, and we haven't even mentioned yet the UFC fight that's going on. And even last week, apparently Major League Baseball is having their own all-star game, but we got too much to worry about with all the basketball here in Las Vegas. It was a wonderful weekend. It wasn't completely hell on earth in terms of the heat, but it was a great time, and I was glad I got to be a part of it. That's right. Uh, Grant, what did, what, what did you think? Again, a lot was made about Victor Wembanyama's uh, debut. We'll talk about it because Adrian was there. I was there. Kevin Martin was there. Mark Medina was there. Sporting Tribune was out in full effect. Uh, Grant, I mean, you've been talking about this guy for quite some time. Let's just start there. What did you think? Again, he, he played twice over the weekend. Uh, got a lot of um, – we're, we're going to get into the heat that he got into before his first game. But anyways, what did you think of his performance? Yeah, so, I mean, today obviously looked all the part of that number one pick that we, we saw, right? He looked like the guy that was touted as this generational prospect, right? He had 27, I think 12 and three blocks. I mean, on the defensive end is what surprised me the most. He looked all the bit of that that rim protector. Um, you know, he, he, he looked like the kind of guy that we were going to expect to see at that number one pick spot. You know, the first game, obviously, he's going to have rust. Um, you know, he's going to have times where he looks sluggish. He looks rusty. He has, you know, he, he's got to get going in terms of his ball handling. Um, his strength, obviously, is still an issue, and it will be an issue for probably his, his whole first year. But, um, you know, Sunday night, we saw exactly what we wanted to see from this guy. He was doing it from the perimeter. He was doing it around the rim. He was showcasing his ball handling. Um, even his playmaking in the first game really surprised me as well. I mean, he moves like a guard, guys. He moves like a point guard, but he's seven foot three and a half without shoes. I don't know why we measure guys without shoes right now because I, <laughs> last time I checked, all basketball players wear shoes, so we should measure them like that. Um, but yeah, look, he, he's going to be fine. I think there's a lot of criticism about him being a bust. After the first summer league game, we got to relax a little bit. I don't know why we do this. I mean, I, I think that social media has kind of turned into this trolling kind of, you know, make fun of everybody type of deal, especially around the NBA. But this guy is going to be the truth. He's going to be pretty good. It's going to take him some time. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. I know Brandon said that he's going to be a 20-plus point per game scorer right off the bat. I don't think that's going to be the case. It's going to take him some time, but when he does get into that rhythm and that that speed of the NBA, he's going to be elite. All right, guys, we do have to talk about the story before the game, and um, I just felt so bad for him because I think Victor is trying to go into catch. 
very trendy location. It's in uh, Vegas. It's obviously in Hollywood as well. It's in New York. Um, and Britney Spears, for some reason, wanted to go up to him, uh, tap him on the shoulder. There's been uh, conflicting reports, like whether she put on like an accent, uh, what happened. One of the greatest leads in Associated Press history was written, though, following the fact, saying that she hit herself. I mean, because like everyone's talking about, you know, what happened. No charges were filed. I mean, I think char- charges were filed, but uh, like nothing happened because it's very clear the security guard has no idea who she is. He's just trying to protect Victor Wembayama, and I think he puts his hand out. Him putting his hand out uh, essentially uh, forced Brittany, um, unfortunately, to hit herself. So, Adrian, listen, you live in Vegas, my man. This is, uh, by the way, this is very TMZ-like, so this is very much like Hollywood. I just felt so bad that Victor's dealing with this before his first game of his, I mean, not first game, first summer league game of his career. Well, look, and you brought up TMZ. I think they're the ones who acquired the footage the day after. I know we talked about it last week about, well, what actually happened. And, man, welcome to the NBA. Welcome to being the biggest prospect since LeBron. And we can argue about Zion. I just think this is a different level because of the international feel. Um, This past weekend, all three days of Summer League were sold out. I believe, and I can be corrected because this is live everywhere, including YouTube, which we'll talk about here in a second, but all three days sold out for the first time ever. One of the main reasons is because of the international people that came to town to see Victor in the spotlight and all these people around Vegas is always Vegas, the UFC, what Summer League has turned into with the added of the convention and with all these sponsors from the shoe companies to whoever and agencies and the, the Players Association and Michael Rubin, like all these events that are getting thrown into it where this is the NBA's version of the Met Gala blown out for about 11 days, and the unexpected is going to happen, which includes some of the Las Vegas residents. That could have been Mike Tyson's Tiger. Thankfully, it wasn't, and it was just Britney Spears, and it's just one of the things that he's going to get used to because obviously there's a multitude of reasons why the first game was sluggish. He's mentioned the conditioning. He's talked about how he didn't really even know his teammates. He didn't get to practice. It's summer league. There's people trying to earn a job, whether it's in the G league or make a final roster spot. There's top picks that have done so much promotional stuff like Victor. There's other dudes that have really been busting their butt off to get to a certain point. You got all these weird combinations of things that you have to deal with throwing in a pop culture megastar with not only the incident itself and having to answer all these questions like who the hell thought I'm going to go to Vegas and have to get actual media questions about this. But then even online with one of these people, Britney's still a megastar. She still has all these fans, this legion and army like Taylor Swift, like Rihanna, like Beyonce still that is bombarding and even making fun of his first game. Like, it's just one of these things that you would expect to see on a Black Mirror episode on Netflix. And it's just one of the things that he has to deal with. And to be honest, because this incident was such a non-thing where no one really got hurt, Brittany was... 
for all intents and purposes, we don't know because none of us were there, but for all intents and purposes, Brittany was wilding. And to have something so crazy to deal with in your first day on the job, like, hey, my man, you're on the right path. You're going to be better for it. And it's just one of these things that you thought was in the 2K storyline of my career, but just really played out in real life. What was the atmosphere like? Again, uh, it was, again, 100%, you are correct. It was sold out all three days. That's never happened before. They've had uh, days that have been sold out, certainly. They've never had the first three days of Summer League sold out. And that first game, his debut, you couldn't find a seat. Not only could you not find a seat in the arena, you couldn't find a seat on press row. You had, like, big-time media saying, Hey, can I just like grab a seat next to you? Can we share the same chair? There was no seats anywhere. You and Howard Beck. I saw you guys. I saw you guys. (laughs) So that's what I was referring to. Like Howard Beck, one of the all-time greats, like doesn't have a seat. What was the atmosphere like for you? Well, you bring up not even just us as media members, which uh, thankfully we had you because you were the only sporting tribune member with a press seat. Um, me, Kevin, we were, we were scanning, trying to see what security guards weren't paying attention to try to get a glimpse between the aisles. But basically it was a festival, meaning whether you were in the press or you paid to get a ticket, you got there at 12, not necessarily because you wanted to see the Grizzlies versus the Pacers game. No, it was a festival. You wanted to get your spot for the headliner, Hours away later in the day to get that. Um, it was electric. It was It was just, I guess the closest thing I could say was that it was kind of a big fight feel. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it quickly turned into, oh, man, because he, he dropped a couple passes. Yeah. He was sluggish. Like, he was nervous. Obviously, the performance wasn't that good. One for seven, two for eight, whatever the final stat line was. So we never got that explosion until Sunday night when he kind of went on this barrage and got a couple buckets in the putback dunk and he was kind of feeling himself. So it was kind of a letdown for most people, at least for me. I st- it was enough for me to leave it after the first quarter because yeah. playing hide and seek with security was getting to be a bit much, but it was also unreal. Um, obviously, you spent a lot more time here in Vegas. I've been here for five years. I've been to some UNLV games. Of course, this isn't the Tark era. I've been there for Disney on Ice. Like, it's never from the parking lot all the way close to the airport, closer to the street than the arena. Like, you could just feel it. All these Spurs fans, you're walking in, you're getting closer, you're hearing the scalpers. Hey, 350 bucks to get in, 350 to sit all the way up top to then everybody, just everything was full. People were buying merch, getting their clothes. Everyone's fighting each other, trying to get a seat. Just, it was a lot of anticipation. Basically, close to an NBA playoff game for a team that hasn't made a run in a long time. And that carried over to Sunday night. And Sunday night, you finally saw the lid of Thomas and Mack kind of pop off when, like I said, he went on these runs. And it was just everybody waiting for him to just come out the tunnel, the entire Spurs team. Like, it was a very unique experience. By the way, Kevin didn't get a seat, uh, although I think she probably got one um, for the next game. She probably got the best assignment of the week. She went to that Fanatics Michael Rubin party, uh, got some red carpet conversation, so that was pretty cool. Um, All right, great. Let's talk about what happened on the court, though. Um, Who besides 
Victor, did you like? Again, a lot was made about Scoot Henderson's debut. He got hurt. You never want to see that happen. Um, who were some of the other uh, guys that you saw that kind of said, okay, that guy could be a player this upcoming season? Yeah, well, you know, the first night, it was it was so unfortunate because you had Scoot Henderson, who got off to an extremely good start, and you had him going up against Amen Thompson, who I really love. I think he's going to be a great addition to the Houston Rockets. They both get hurt, and I'm worrying about Victor Webb and Yama at this point. I'm not even worrying yeah. about, you know, I'm worrying about his health. I'm like, should we sit him now? Should, what, what should happen? Because that's how I, I just want to see. That's why Sunday night I wanted to see Scoot against Victor because I think that would have been a, a heavyweight fight. And we already saw it um, back in Vegas earlier in the year, yeah. or maybe been uh, last year, where it was you know Metropolitan ninety two against the G League Ignite, and you had you know both of these teams going out. Both these guys actually you know played like they wanted that number one pick, and that's what I wanted to see Sunday night. If we're looking at guys that. Uh, you know, maybe are off the radar or maybe guys, that, you know, I, I'm not going to say anybody that's really way off the radar. I loved what I saw from Scoot Henderson. I think he looked <clears> all <throat> the part of that number three pick. Um, I, I think he, he looked insane. Uh, you know, Eamon Thompson in the limited minutes that he had before he got hurt looked really good. His downhill ability, um, you know, even his shot, he made a three. Um, his ability to score at the rim. Scoot Henderson was was dishing it off he was scoring at all three levels he's going to be very good immediately i think he's going to be really good but if we're talking about teams that probably a lot of people want to hear about it's the lakers right a lot of people want to hear about the yeah. lakers max christie is a guy that i thought could crack the rotation last year max christie looked all the part of good as he's going to be this year i think he made that extensive leap he got better at his dribbling. He got better at his playmaking. He has the confidence now um, to shoot that three-pointer. He looked good on the turnarounds in the mid-range, getting to the rim. He looks like he's got that moxie. I know Brandon loves to say that word, moxie, but he's yeah. right. Max Christie should be one of the guys that is in the rotation. I think he really should. Um, and if you're going around the league, you know, you have guys like Malachi Branham on the Spurs that looked really good. You have guys like Champagne that looked good as well for the Spurs. So the Spurs have a lot of young talent. But if we're looking around the league, Max Christie looks great. The other picks look good. Azor and Amin Thompson both look great. Um, I think it's it, this is probably the most talented the league is going to be for a while. We have so many young guys that are going to contribute now. Some ready-made guys that are going to contribute to contenders. They're going to contribute to teams that were in the lottery last year. I'm so excited to get the actual season started because what I'm seeing in the summer league is just explosiveness, talent, uh, you know, athleticism on, on all parts. I think it's going to be great for the league. So we'll talk about this some more in the second segment. But uh, the one last freeway series before the All-Star break, again, Monday to tonight, we got the Home Run Derby. Tuesday, we got the Midsummer Classic, the All-Star Game in Seattle. The Angels... Grant, once again, the Angels were swept by the Dodgers. And again, that's a story because Shohei Otani is now on a team that has completely spiraled. They were uh, looking very good. They've really completely spiraled since that home game where he had uh, two home runs, 10 strikeouts, and it looks like, okay, like maybe, maybe this team may go on a run here. Uh, they don't look like a playoff team at all. And if that's the case, the feeling is sure he will leave. And if that's the case, maybe they should trade him. I guess let me bring you in on this from the, the Dodgers perspective before we bring in Brandon in segment two. Um, 
do you think that, that again, not only the fact that he's probably going to be traded, or, or if he's not, he's not going to come back there. He's seen firsthand what the Dodgers can do. They've swept them twice. You're feeling on Shohei perhaps going to the other team in Los Angeles. Well, you know, obviously he's been he's been the favorite to sign there for a while now. And, you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about him, you know, being traded there. I don't think the Dodgers will trade for him this offseason, or excuse me, this season, midseason. I don't think they'll make that trade at the deadline because I think that they're the front runners to get him in the first place in the, at the end of the season. You don't need to give up prospects because if yeah. you're going to trade for him now at the, at the July deadline, you're going to have to give up at least five of your top prospects and two ready-made guys. And for the Dodgers, a team that's retooling this year, they're way farther ahead than I expected them to be. They just tied the D-backs for first place. Do you really, I mean, obviously everyone needs Shohei Otani, but do you need him that bad to where you have to give up all of your generational prospects? I say generational prospects because, you know, the yes. top five prospects in your farm, <laughs> you know, you never know how they can turn out. But, you know, you have some elite arms, some elite talent of that top five prospects. The Dodgers have a loaded farm system to kind of deplete Allegedly. that. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, to, to kind of get a guy... And, and, and trade away a lot of that depth at the, in the farm system to get a guy that you could probably get without you know, giving up anything. Um, I, I don't think that's the smart thing to do. Um, obviously, he would add so much to the Dodgers line, but they'd be probably at the top of the West and the top of the contender uh, you know, list. But I think they should wait, calm down. They have All they need is bullpen pieces. I've been writing this all, day in and day out, articles after articles about how they just need bullpen pieces, and they'll be fine. The offense is calm great. Calm down. What, 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 what? Grant, Grant, and I'm sorry because I interrupted you a couple times and I apologize, especially right. when we've just met. But listen, I love, my man, I love it. No, it, it's not necessarily a conflict. I'm just a bit baffled because we're talking about arguably one of the greatest players of all time. And also, I don't care what sport you pick, very rarely does the team that is trading away the generational player ever get anything that's comparable in return? I mean, like, I'm trying to think. Uh, Miguel say, Cabrera. When Miguel Cabrera got traded yeah. to the Marlins, like, he, there's, right. there's, or when the Marlins traded him away, I mean, the Marlins have done it a bunch of times with mm -hmm. uh, Stanton, too, as well, and Dontrell. Uh, the Dontrell Willis, they got a couple, but you just look at all these huge names, like, all these elite prospects and stuff, they're still prospects. And not to not to dismiss how great they can be, but who cares how great they can be when you can get greatness that we've never been able to measure before. And it makes me sick. But when you are the Dodgers, when you are the Yankees, and all of this is like a kid with an unlimited American Express walking into Best Buy that can get whatever, you do what you can to get him. Because even if he's not the bullpen piece that'll give you over the hump, He's one of the greatest baseball players ever. And if you're in that ball game, you do whatever you can to get him. My opinion. Here's, here's the thing. You're, you, I'll close out the first segment before we bring in um, Brandon in segment two. But to Grant's point, here's the thing. If you were at the beginning of the season or if Shohei had a couple more years on the contract, I 100% agree with you. You really blank check. Like, what do we have to do to get this guy? We're at a point at the, at the midway point of the season. He's not going to come back. I, I really, truly don't think. 
So for the Dodgers, if you feel, if you feel that you're in the driver's seat to get him for a big – again, this is going to be the largest contract in baseball history. I mean, it, it could be $600 million. If you're the Dodgers, you're going to pay that. There's no reason on top of the $600 million contract to give up these prospects. Again, it'd be great if they had it for the stretch run. I don't think that they're going to do that. I truly do believe that what they've done since the offseason in terms of not making any blockbuster moves, this entire season has been built around, hey, let's be competitive this year. But this offseason, it's all about Shohei Otani and really what he means. I mean, not just on the field, but off the field as well, a transcendent talent. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Brandon Deutsch. When we come back right here on the mightier 1090s of the California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310 310- 400-0340. All right. Well, listen, we've never gone out to the Circus Sports guest hotline to talk to Brandon Deutsch because he is a big part of the show co-host, but uh, he's joining us. We flipped roles. Grant co-host today. Brandon <laughs> hopping in seg two. Brandon, we touched on this in segment one, and I want to get your perspective because this is really – you touched on this in one of your takeaways. It, regardless of if you're a fan, regardless of if you cover the team, the current state of the Los Angeles Angels is really depressing. When you, when you go back to that game you covered, uh, two home runs, ten strikeouts, it really felt like that could be the start of something big. And they've gone the opposite direction since that time. It is uh, pretty clear that Shohei is going to be on a non-playoff team if he stays here. So that really puts them in a position where do you just roll the dice and hope you keep him? Do you trade him? Brandon, what do you do with Shohei Otani right now? Yeah, look, uh, I'm not. I'm obviously not Perry Menashian and Alex Tamman in the front office, but I think they need to trade him. Um, you got to get some value. I can almost guarantee you he's not going to return. The only bet is we said it before the year they were going to have to go on a playoff run of some sort, whether that's winning a series and showing that they can win a series at least, and maybe you take that next step with signing more guys. But once the injuries started, once they lost Zach Neto their star rookie shortstop who was getting all-star votes. He was excellent and is just getting brought up. I mean, he was drafted, speaking of the MLB player draft, last year. It's the only rookie from that class uh, that's, you know, impacting the league at this level. Once he went down, they had to play non-existent bats like Andrew Velasquez and David Fletcher who really aren't going to get hits. And that started their uh, bottom of the lineup couldn't hit. And that was a problem. Because right there, Neto was at the bottom of the lineup. And if you needed a run, and part, a lot of their comeback wins were because of run production at the bottom of the lineup. And when he went down, then you got Trout who went down. Um, you know, Ben Joyce was was pivotal, even though, you know, he only played in a few games. You know, his velocity played. Um, 
Matt Moore, their reliever, he went down. Gio Urshula was huge. He was hitting 300. He went down. So then you had to trade a couple pitching prospects for Moustakas and Escobar. They've been okay. They've been great, especially Moustakas. He's been excellent. But then the starting pitching. Um, and the pitching in general was a solid, solid part of this team. Not just Shohei Otani. Reed Detmers had had four quality starts in a row. Griffin Canyon had had five quality starts in a row. And Patrick Sandoval and Tyler Anderson and Jaime Berea were pitching excellent up until a week and a half ago. And since then, their starting ERA is about 7-8 with the worst in the baseball by far. Um, and that's, that's a problem. They, they're in their, they aren't producing runs. They're the worst team in the league right now. And you could always blame it on injuries because Brandon Drury, Mike Trout, we saw that, but the Yankees, everybody's hurt for them, especially their best player, Aaron judge, right. And they're hitting 190 as a team over the past month and they still find ways to win. So it is a culture thing. I hate to say it. I really like Phil Nevin. I think he's a nice guy. The clubhouse seems to like each other, which is odd because we see this deterioration of of everything, you know, losing momentum. And, and for me, being in that clubhouse, seeing the guys interact, they seem to really like each other. So I, I, when people say it's a culture thing, like, yes, in the sense where it's winning and they aren't used to winning, which is a problem. And they don't have guys who have won besides now Moustakas, who they have and a few others. But uh, I feel like there's underlying issues we just don't know about as media members that must be going on because they can't be this bad. Yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing. When you have a, a, a generational, transcendent talent like that, you really want to do like everything you can do to keep him. However, if the writing's on the wall, and I do believe that there's been conversations that have been had where, listen, Shohei, uh, give us a sense. Like, are we at 50-50? Are we below 50-50? Brandon, I mean, from your sense, having covered the team, I mean, do you think at least some of those conversations are had? Because, listen, if Shohei's saying – Listen, this is 50-50 or less than that. I think at that point, you got to read the tea leaves and move on from him at that point. Yeah, and I think the main thing here is why I don't think he's going to be traded, even though they're holding on to this pride, this ego thing, that they think they can make the playoffs. And they were in the conversation. They very well should have made the playoffs if we just look at the talent of this roster and where they were just over a week and a half ago, seven games over 500. And usually entering the All-Star break, you want to be seven or eight games over 500. That gives you around 90 win pace, which is what you need going into the last month a pace where you can start winning games and knowing exactly which games you want to win. But they still think they're going to make the playoffs. And I don't know how they can think that. And part of it is Artie Moreno really wants the Japanese sponsorship money that they're getting. And if you trade him midway through the season, um, you know, obviously you lose those sponsorships and that's a huge money maker for him. And in fact, I would not be shocked if Artie Moreno, the reason why I didn't sell last year is because he wanted to bank off of, um, you know, uh, the Angels in Otani's sponsorship deals in Japan this year. And there's a possibility he could sell the team in the offseason, which a lot of Angel fans want. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak on that, but a lot of them don't like him. Don't, even though he spent the money, it's just been on the wrong guys. I think you got to move him, but I don't think they're going to do it, even if they lose 40 straight games to Rosh. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly something that they have to think about. My man, Adrian, you've been a part of this. I mean, not via trade, but losing a transcendent talent. Le- LeBron at some point just felt like he had to go somewhere else. Thankfully, he came back, right, and won. It's, it's, it's just really hard. There's, there's no right way to say goodbye, but shoot, I think Shohei, this is even worse. They're, they're not even making the playoffs. They're not even sniffing the playoffs at this point. Yeah, listen, baseball is different where – 
you just like this, this is just a different circumstance. First off to your point about LeBron and at least they were competing and they were making the playoffs and Eastern conference finals. Angels ain't sniffing the playoffs. It's baseball is a different beast. It doesn't make any sense Two out of the five best players in the league of all time, greatest, whatever they're going to be on the list and they're not doing it. And unlike basketball, like the, it's one of the rare occasions where you can trade them away and baseball's kind of formulated this where if you are not the Dodgers, you are not the Yankees, you are not the Red Sox, you are not the Cubs when they want to uh, uh, really make a splash. Like there's limited teams that have the ability to go get these guys and the rest of the league is a farm system. I'm from Cleveland before we started. Brandon was like, what about Shane Bieber? And he's like, well, just like CC Sabathia, just like Bartolo Colon, just like Cliff Lee, the list goes on and on and on. And that's kind of how this sport goes for certain teams. And unfortunately, the Angels, as much as they want to be in that game, they really aren't. So are they going to get anything back that is going to be compar- comparable to the greatness that is Shohei Otani? Absolutely not. What you need to do is make sure it's not embarrassing and at least get back something, even if it's just more pieces to make more moves. You can't let someone walk away, period, that has any sort of value, let alone the greatness and the the, the amazing value that Shohei has. You can't just let that walk away, especially if he does end up going to L.A. or all, right across the street like Trade them to L.A. and get some of those prospects. And I know me and Grant, we just talked about it last segment, and I'll, and I'll give you a full floor now that we have some more time. Grant, what's your rebuttal to that? And, and not specifically with the Dodgers, but just the point being, are you really going to be what Brandon is saying and being a team that is just stuck with the ego of trying to just make a wild card or a playing game to just say that we had the patch on the hat that we could sell at new era. Yeah. Look for the angels. It's such a tough spot. I thought the angels would be a lot more competitive than they are now. Um, you know, obviously show Otani is a big part of why they're even at the spot they're at now. I mean, to, to even be hovering around 500 with some of the issues and all of the injuries they've had, is something short of a miracle, in my opinion. I think they should be a lot worse with all the te- the guys that have been in and out of the lineup. Now, if you're going to look at you know what it does for marketing, that's one thing. But if you're looking at it from a team perspective, and I know that Perry Manassian is going to look at it that way because that's just how Perry Manassian works. He's been, he's done a, a, an actually okay job putting together a roster, right? You just had guys that are getting hurt. You, you know, Rendon has been hurt. Every time he comes back from the IL, he gets hurt again. So... If you're the Angels, look at it from the baseball perspective this time. You have to this time. I know that Artie Moreno is a big businessman. He's a big showman. He likes to do things uh, for, for, for the money of the team and the marketing of the team. But he has to let Perry Manassian step in at this point and say, look, enough is enough. We have to change the, the, the way we go about things here. We have to do what's right for the baseball, not for the marketing, not for the Japanese media. You have to do what's good for the team. And what's good for the team right now is to trade Shohei Otani. I hate to say that because I wanted the Angels to be good. I'm a Dodger fan. I want competition in Southern California. 
And I just haven't seen it over the past three years. You've had generational talent after generational talent come to that Angels organization. You had Mike Trout first. You had you know guys like Torrey Hunter come in and, and, and change the culture. Now you have Shohei Otani coming in, and he has changed the culture there to a certain extent. But in, in terms of baseball, it's it hasn't panned out at all. They have such a, a a losing record under you know with Shohei and Mike Trout. It's kind of unfathomable. I, I pointed back to the Clippers, right, where you have these two generational stars and you can't get anything done. I I'd say trade him. I say look for a trade at least. Make him available. See what you can get back at the July deadline. Because like I said in the first segment, you can get a haul for him, and that would completely change the course of the Angels. You can play those guys now. So. I think they should look at it from the baseball aspect, not the marketing aspect, like like Brandon's saying they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to add one more thing. Um, Rendon. I feel like if you can add the Rendon contract, which has become abysmal, he can't hit home runs anymore, um, and you know, you're know you eating that contract already, even if he hits 300 somehow, which he was before his first injury at the, at the end of like mid-May, he was hitting 300. He was like, the highest paid singles hitter in the league. He can't hit for power anymore. If you can attach him to Shohei um, and get off of that contract, then I feel like even if you get minimal gains in return, like a prospect or two for uh, even a talent as great as Shohei Otani, that's worth it because then the Angels can really go on. Not even a full rebuild. Like they don't even, as much as I love Shohei Otani, and obviously they're going to be much better if they have him. Some people have said it could be the best thing ever for the Angels organization if he signs elsewhere. Because if they're capped $600 million with Otani, you can't really improve elsewhere. And they need a lot of improvement. Shohei is not just not going to be the guy that just takes him to the promised land himself, even as great as he is. I do want to add, you guys are bringing up the marketing. Um, look, I can't blame Moreno for wanting to keep him as long as he does. And it's kind of one of these other reasons that you do anything that you can to keep him on the team. As the league is like, oh crap, our our sugar daddy was the TV contracts. Those don't exist anymore. Like that's going away. That money, which was a huge income, especially for the teams outside of these huge markets, that was their cash cow. And when you have Otani breaking these records, doing what he's doing, year after year after year, you can sell t-shirts, let alone some of the international money, let alone apologize. My son has ran into I the room. It. His first yes. appearance on the show. Right. <laughs> he got dragged out viciously like a WWE. We'll get to that later. But not only, not only just the merchandise and the things that they can sell, like I go back to Ichiro. One of the reasons Ichiro was in the league for maybe three to four years that he wasn't supposed to when he was on the Marlins and stuff like that was the Marlins were like, we need a moneymaker to get this international money and get that Nintendo uh, sponsorship, let alone if he's close to a hit record or a home run record, blah, 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 blah. Like we see this, especially with how the money's changed in sports and in baseball, like Nelson Cruz is at like 470 home runs or some crap. Some team will sign him for the chance that they could be the one that has that game where he hits 500 at home. And Shohei Otani is just 50 million times more than that with the possibilities. And maybe you're on national TV more often and your hats being displayed all over the world because you have this megastar. So I get the angels, doing all they can to like keep them on the team. But it's another reason why I would throw the 600, 700, whatever the record breaking contract is going to be, because ultimately, even if your team sucks the way the system set up, it's going to work out for you 
money-wise, at least in my opinion. For at least like the first seven years, right? Yeah. The last, when he's 40, it's going to be a bad contract. But then, but but then yeah. like, we always say that, and we say that in sports, and like, baseball is kind of going through that now, right? Robinson Cano, some of these other deals were like, like there's there's a lot of them, right? Not everyone's the Mets this year. We're Verlander and them, and they're like, oh, crap, the first year, this stinks. But we're seeing the back end of it. But it just always seems that with these contracts, whether they're front-loaded or back-loaded, yeah. like the salary the cap is too. just a figment of our imagination. And the marketing is beyond anything that we'll see from any player. Like, yeah. again, in sports, because just like Victor, when we were talking about in the first segment, like the international appeal is an entirely different game. It's just an entirely different game when you can hit these markets that that just haven't been touched before or just you're hitting these different markets that you don't usually like. It's a totally different game, which makes all of this worth it, which is why if the Dodgers want to trade for him, go for it. If the Angels want to keep him, I don't blame them. We've been in this show for about 35, 40 minutes. I haven't said it yet. Hey, A's, you want to come to Las Vegas and make a splash? Get Shohei Otani on the strip right next to Adele and Usher, and let's get this party popping, please. With who else? An Uber driver playing third base? Who That's cares? the only problem. I'll play third base. I'll play third base. I'll Dude, play you need I don't I, care. I would say I would say it's a great idea. Marketing, it's a genius idea, but you need the rest of the team, right? Like the A's are intentionally terrible you, right now. But do you yes? Because it's for, like baseball. he wants to win. He no, wants but it's to like win. Baseball, though. Though. It's like it's it's baseball. Like you 25 rosters that 25 player rosters that are loaded. Like, who cares? Fisher doesn't want to pay anybody. He's not even going to pay. So just pay one dude and the rest can be scrubs. Who cares? Then they'll really sell every game like they're saying. He He thinks the Angels are bad. He'll win 30 games a year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Adrian, real quick, I want to give you the floor here because it's a really cool time for the show. I mean, this show started October of 2020. Podcast got picked up by uh, the Mightier 1090. Got picked up by the bet, formerly the fan in Vegas. Got picked up by Hawaii. I mean, we really, but the, the uh, where we're going now is um, having the show be on YouTube and very soon on streaming services that, you know, whether you got Roku, whether you got a Fire Stick, whatever, no matter what you have, you can be able to stream our show and watch the beautiful faces of Brandon and Grant and Adrian and maybe myself. But I, Tell us where we're at with the show. Yeah, so like as the show evolves, and I, and I think you said last week this becomes 2.0, um, just to let people know that, yes, you, you're hearing our voices now, but Monday through Friday, if we have a show recorded and it's over the air on your radio, you can bet your bottom dollar you'll be able to find that on YouTube, on the Sporting Tribune, so YouTube at Sporting Trib on YouTube, and be subscribed every morning if you need to get away from work or not really work at your cubicle, you're working from home, don't stream whatever nonsense is on HBO, you know what I'm saying? You don't need to watch First Take. Your boy Skip Bayless is scared of us taking a two-month vacation because he doesn't know what to do when he heard we're hitting YouTube. So, yeah, YouTube.com, at The Sporting Trip, uh, hit the subscribe. We'll be um, full, the, the entire episode, all all the entire show 
We'll be on there. We'll be uploading our clips when Brandon wants to go off on a Lakers tangent in the middle of July. And, and we want to break down the 2021 Lakers playoff series against whoever or whatever we talk about. We'll have it all on there. And of course, on social media from TikTok to Instagram to Twitter, we'll have clips up there as well for those that can't spend all 40 minutes with us or making it easy, digestible, and wherever you're at, we got you. <laughs> I love it. Hey, real, real quick. We got two and a half minutes left, Brandon. We did not talk about this with you in the first segment. Wemby, debut. Uh, first game, not so great. Felt really bad for him that he got that posterized moment there. Game two, Sunday night, looked very good. Your thoughts on the debut of Victor Wembanyama? Yeah, I'll go really quick because I know we don't have much time here. But um, I actually thought Weminyama's first game was better than a lot of people thought. Obviously, he shot atrociously. We all saw that. He was relying on getting to the line and getting calls from referees. And he was doing a little bit of that on, um, uh, you know, on Sunday. So it was one of those things where he's going to get calls. The league's going to give him more calls than other players. He also has an unblockable jumper. So teams like so other players foul him a lot more. We saw that in his second performance. First performance, great defense, awful offensively. Second performance, we kind of saw him put it all together. And it was really brilliant to watch. People say, Chris Haps Porzingis. Nah, Chris Haps Porzingis can't move like that. He can't handle the ball like that and, and do the things Victor Wembanyama does. Sure as heck can't pass like that either. Yeah, I mean, it was just really fun. Again, the Summer League is an exciting time, but... When you get a transcendent star like that, again, when Zion made his debut, his debut was sold out. But as Adrian said, it was really cool to see the first three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three straight days, sold out. Again, it really took over the strip with the convention, the NBA con, the announcement of the in-season tournament, guys. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I mean, we had so much to talk about on the show today. In-season tournament. What do we think about that? We'll talk about that um, tomorrow. Again, the slowest day of the sports year, this Monday and Tuesday. Monday, Home Run Derby. Tuesday, the, uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. So we'll talk about that and so much more. But that's all the time we have for today. So until tomorrow, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.